Front office, please hold. Welcome back to another special guest segment of the Front Office Podcast. And we wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't live up to our word. And because we said it all the way back in episode two, when I told him that he'd be back, we brought back the OG, the man himself, <laughs> Mr. Dwayne Knight, DK. What's happening, brother? What's going on, man? My man. Good to see you again, man. Good to see you. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you were the... You had the honor of being our first ever guest on the podcast, and now you have the honor of being the first repeat guest of wow. the podcast. So how does that feel? I'm honored, man. I'm honored. Shucks, man. You know what? I like to get, you know, anytime we get a chance to chop it up, I'm all for it, man. So uh, thanks for having me. I had fun the last time. I'm going to have fun this time as well. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. And the more information that we get, the better, because we've got so much to talk about tonight. It's great. Had a fantastic conversation just before we hopped on here. So much going on in the night household. So let's start off first and foremost with your pride and joy. So again, we mentioned the first time you were on that your baby boy Deontay was playing at the U sport level for Western Unfortunately, last season was kind of a write-off for them, so really wasn't a situation where there was much to report. But over the last month, a lot has happened in the U-Sport arena. So not only did your son's Western Mustangs just win the 2021 Vanier Cup, so anyone listening to this, the Vanier Cup is the pinnacle of Canadian university football. So not only did they win that, but... He also took home some hardware as the JP Metris award winner, which is symbolic of the top defensive or offensive lineman in the country. So DK, first of all, how much pride are you feeling right now? And what are your thoughts on seeing him go through all of these things and winning these major awards? Um, Yeah, man, it was, it was quite, it was quite the journey for him because um, when, like you mentioned the previous year, um, things were shut down because of COVID and, uh, you know, that, and I think, I think, you know, it's probably a good thing for Deontay because he really started, he missed football and he just got so focused into, to his training and he got focused into, you know, film study and because he couldn't actually play. So he said, I'm going to do the next best thing. And he started to watch film and study different you know, pass rushers. He started to study old linemen. He started to do, he did everything about football except for actually get out there on the field and play. And I think that helped his, uh, his football IQ. And then he, uh, he got with a, 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 a trainer down there and, um, you know, they started going through different things, working on his flexibility and working on some speed and, you know, being a little lighter on his feet. And, uh, he, and he really took the training to heart and, you know, it all paid off for him this year. And he was so excited to get back into football. And I, and for me, like talking to him during that period, you know, I could see it getting him down, not being able to play. I can only imagine, like I, I, you and I, we've never been through a situation where they took football from us right when we were hitting our stride. So he was just hitting his stride and, and it was done. So I think he, uh, you know, his love for the game increased and uh, he was focused on winning that, that Vanier Cup, man. That was, he was definitely, I went and I went and worked out with him one time back in the spring 
And just his work ethic alone is, is totally different than, you know, I had seen previously. So very proud of him. Very proud of him. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, you and I were kind of going back and forth throughout that whole process. You know, you were updating me on everything that was going on, yeah. getting, you know, the picture updates of, you know, look at my man doing his thing, you know, winning, <laughs> you're winning the OUA um, nomination for the JP Metris. And, and then obviously going to the national award ceremony, and, you know, hearing his name called, obviously, I, I know that, unfortunately, you weren't able to join him for the award presentation, but just knowing, you know, you've been through those processes before, you've heard your name called in front of a nice, you know, group of people that, you know, it, it represents an achievement that you accomplished as a player. Right. You know, do you think it was, it was a surprise? Do you think he was going in knowing that he was going to win? Like, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, this is funny. So, I guess I can say it now. Um, he probably... Don't want me saying this, but whatever. Um, so he had prior while they were in the playoffs, I think right before the right before they played that semifinal game, the, the game before the Vanier Cup, he had messaged me. He you know he called me and said, Dad, he says, I think I'm gonna win this uh this award, this JP Metris award. And I and so I, I said, Well, oh yeah, well, that's good. I didn't know what the hell it was. So I, I'm talking to him and I'm Googling it, right? And I was like, oh wow, I said top lineman in the country. And he was like, yeah, he says, he says, I'm not 100% sure, Dad, but I just got a feeling that um, I'm going to be up for this thing. So that was before he was actually, and then actually, you know, actually received the award. And then I guess a couple of weeks after that, um, the news came out that he actually, you know, was going to be the, uh, the, the, um, the nominee for the OUA. And so that's when I, I think I sent you a picture of that. You one. Did, yeah. Okay. So he said, Dad, I want it. And he said, I want it for the OUA, this, that, and other. And he was really excited. I was like, good. And then he mentioned that. So I guess that award is named after a former Western player. That's right. Okay. I didn't know that. So, and no one from Western had won that award since like 1987, apparently. So he was really proud of that to say, you know, he kind of felt like he brought the award back home. And so, and then... And then when he went out to the uh, the Vanier Cup, I guess it was the Thursday night. Yep. Um, he had messaged me and he says, "Oh uh, yeah, Dad, I, I got to make a speech tonight." When we were talking back and forth, he said, "Oh yeah, Dad, I got to make a speech tonight." I said, "For what?" He said, "Yeah, for the you know in case I win this award." And I was like, "Well, have you started?" He's like, "No." I said, "What are you going to do?" He said, "Well, I'll just kind of, I'll deal with it." So, <laughs> and apparently I didn't hear the speech, but apparently I guess um, apparently the speech was pretty heartfelt and it was pretty intense, so pretty good. So. I haven't heard the speech yet, but uh, you know, apparently he gave a, he delivered a good speech, and I wish I could have been there for that, but you know, situation didn't work out. So, yeah, man. So he's really. I think the thing about that award that that makes him the more proudest is that it was it, it was named after a former Western guy, right? And he's the first person to bring it back to Western since '87. So, good for him. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I know when when you texted me the picture when he actually won the award, you know you. I, I could sense the pride coming through the phone, knowing how much you love him and knowing how much, you know, you've invested into, you know, letting him be the type of man that he is and, and building him up to this point. So um, not surprising at all that he would have given a, a very heartfelt emotional speech. You know, I, I've been in the room when you've given a couple of those in, uh, in our day. So not surprising at all, but uh, again, hopefully someone videoed uh, or recorded it so that way you could hear it. And uh, I'd like know. to hear it. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I've been meaning to ask him about it. There's a way I can get a, get a hold of it. I'm sure there is. So I'll ask him about that, but uh, yeah, man, um, really proud of him. He's matured so much 
over this this since that that COVID thing hit. You know, like I said, he just so many, I guess his light kind of came on. You know, yeah. and you know you always know you know what's going to happen. And that sometimes as a parent, you you know they, they make decisions or do things. You're like, what are you thinking? But you just got to be patient. That light's going to come on. You know. Yeah. So I think his light's starting to flicker on there, and uh, you know, and, and um, you know, he's really looking forward to continuing his uh, football career there. So, well, you know, I think you and I have talked about this many times, but there's there's going to be many more opportunities for him to to pursue this thing, whether it be you know north of the border or south of the border. So, you know, hopefully yeah. we can uh, we can see where he progresses. And uh, again, I know everybody listening to the podcast will will agree when. You know, we all say that we're rooting for everything that he's doing, and we we really hope for the best. It, man. And I know that we'll get him on here soon. We'll only get him on here uh, on the we, podcast. He told me so I'm, on Monday. It's weird because I checked in with him because he played on the Saturday, and then so I checked in him on I checked in him on the Monday, and uh, he said he said that I am sore. He said and because it was a physical game. Oh yeah, it was a physical and game. It's cold. And, you know, it's, it's cold, it's, man. Know, of course, it's, what's that? And it said it's cold. And it was cold, and then that kind of wet snow started. That wet snow started, and you know, you saw it again. Guys were slipping all over the place, but um, it was it was a, it was a tough one. But I'm like, you know what? I say, hey, buddy, like, welcome to the big leagues because it don't <laughs> it don't get any easier than that. After this, after that, that's how your games are going to be, man. They're going to be physical. Yeah. That's what it is now. This is what you signed up for. So, you know what? Start to learn to take care of your body post game, and you know what? You get something out of this thing. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, you know, moving on to, to another thing that's happened in your life that, uh, again, you, you've had some excitement that's generated yeah. the last little while. And again, it's something where every time I've talked to you about this particular thing, it's always been somewhat excitement, but it's been baited because you've yep. also had the downside happen so many times. And I'm talking about your alma mater, Virginia Tech. Vokies. The, the yeah, Hokies. The Hokies. The Hokies, man. <laughs> we're coming back. Hey, we're coming back. We're coming back. We, we finally figured out what was missing. And I feel really good about this new hire, man. Like, this is what I've been talking about this whole time from when Coach Beamer retired. I thought the natural progression would be go ahead and get Bud Foster in there and continue things on. Because those guys have been together since when Coach Beamer was at Murray State. Yeah. Didn't work out that way, you know, um, I guess they decided to go in another direction with Coach Fuente there, and, and you know what? And he come. He, I think he came from Memphis, if I'm not if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And, he, and I guess he came in because Virginia Tech had always been pretty sound defensively, and you know Coach Fuente has had a reputation of you know having a good offensive mind. So I guess they thought by keeping Coach Foster there with the defensive side and Coach Fuente there with the offense, they thought that we would you know be making some strides, but. You know, it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, and and I mean the last the last few years have especially been tough because they started off the season slow every single year, and you know as much as anybody when you start off slow in college football, it's so hard to build back up and actually compete for that national championship. Yeah, you have to have a special second half of your season if that's going to happen, but because there's so many good teams out there now, it's almost impossible. So the thing that really needed to change, and we've talked about this again, mm -hmm. the thing that needed to change was just the mentality that the players would have in that locker room, that they knew they were going to come out and compete and win. 
every week because yeah. I think that's what's been missing the last little while is that they haven't had yeah. that sense of, you know what, we don't have the coach Beamer that bleeds these colors that can come in here and say, we're this is us. You know, we're going to go out there and put Virginia Tech on the field. And, yeah, you know, anybody who doesn't know what that means, it's basically like serving up a nice, big, hearty bowl of Virginia Tech every week. Yes. So, so you know, but the thing that was missing was just, I think the swagger was gone. You know, mm-hmm. yes, they had fixed a couple things on the offensive side. They'd sent a few guys to the pros. Obviously, yes. we've seen yes. some of these guys excel in the pros, but yeah. they obviously weren't getting the most out of them when they were at Tech. So, okay. Going to the big news of the last month for Virginia Tech, you brought home one of your own, one of your former teammates, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. He's Mr. a little bit after me. Okay, so he's a little after me. Yeah. Again, we'll just we'll just say alumni for the sake of for sake yes. of being accurate. So yeah. They brought home one of your own, Brent Pry, the defensive yeah, coordinator from Penn State. DJ, yes. Tell us a little bit about Brent and and what people can expect out of him and and his uh, his coaching staff. Well, I think what you can expect out of Brent is that they're going to, we're going to get back to, like you were just talking about, we're going to get back to being Virginia Tech. It's, it's, and, and I say this, you know, every time I have this conversation with people, I say, like, there's just something about being at Virginia Tech that's different. Virginia Tech has never been, um, you know, really flashy and like, you know, like some of the, those top programs, but there's always, the players have always taken that field with a sense of pride and a sense that you're defending something, especially when you're at home. I've said for years, how can you come out to enter Sandman and lose a game? <laughs> how, how can you come out? How can you have that interest and lose a game? If anything, you're going to win all your home games. Yeah. And see, I think that's, you know, I think that's what's been missing. Just that sense of pride of being Virginia Tech that sense of family. Like I just, I had a shirt on earlier today. One of our things is that this is home, Virginia Tech, this is home. And I'm not sure that over the past little bit, you know, the players have had that feeling. So when you have that feeling that this is home, you're going to do what? You're going to defend home. You're going to play for home. And now that one of, you know, a former Hokie back in, in the head spot, um, I think he's going, he understands what it means to bring that sense of pride, that sense of being at Virginia Tech. And the players, the players are going to, the players are going to buy into it and they're going to rally around it. And you're going to see, we're going to start doing better with our in-state recruiting. We hit, oh my God, we apparently, we weren't doing well with our in-state recruiting. And prior to that, when Coach Beamer was there, we never had issues with in-state recruiting. Yeah. Recruiting. So we're getting back, I think we're going to get back to that local talent and those guys are going to play for the colors. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to turn the corner and, and, and yeah, you're going to see a, a different, uh, you're going to see a different hockey team out there next fall. Yeah. And again, you know, just the different energy coming out of you, you know, having played for the team and seeing what the team's gone through over the last 30, 40 years. I mean, that's, that's something that it was really evident when you, when you have a guy like this, who's coming back to rejuvenate the program and you yes. hit the nail on the head when you said in-state recruiting. The yeah. lifeblood of any successful team in any walk of sports is local recruiting. Yeah, man. And when you look at the successful programs across Canada, across the U.S., the mm-hmm. thing that they do best is they will keep over 75% of their best local talent in-house. Keep your you own. cannot compete otherwise. Because when you're fighting for the same recruits that 117 other schools are fighting for, in yep. Texas, in Florida, in California, 
the strikeout rate is pretty damn high. Yeah, so man. if you're going to put all your eggs in that basket, you'd better be mm-hmm. damn good at getting those kids to sign up. Exactly. Last time, I, last time I checked, the only one who's been good at doing that the last you know 20 years, Nick Saban. That's so. it. <laughs> He's the only one, man. And you and that that goes for and, and maybe a little Urban Meyer there, but when it comes to consistently getting that talent from out of state, that is it is Nick Saban. Yeah. He has been the guy. So yeah. what we and Virginia Tech was built when Virginia Tech was playing for the national championship in the 90s there, I would say over 75%, over 80% of the roster was from Virginia, man. And that's just the way it was. And we did well with our in-state recruiting consistently. And I think that's falling off a little bit. So, you know, we're going to, you know, Coach Pry is going to turn that around. And, um, yeah, I think you're going to see a a big change. And uh, don't forget, there's another guy on the staff that wasn't one of my teammates. He was a teammate, J.C. Price. That's right. He was just – now, I played with J.C., so he came from Marshall. So so he played his his ball at Virginia Tech, but he was coaching at Marshall for a bit. So very close by. So now we have J.C. over there, and I think Mm – and he was there on that on that that uh when Coach Beamer started winning those bowl games too. He was with us at that uh 93 Independence Bowl. So yeah. he's another one. So that's another hokey that's in that's on the staff there. And I, I saw a couple more hires recently. I, I don't recognize the names, but you know, we've you got JC as the assistant, you got Brent as the head coach. Now you got two true hokies right there, you know, spearheading this thing. And uh, I'm I'm excited, man. I am so excited. Well, one of the offensive coaches they just hired was the head coach at Div One uh, AA Savannah State, okay. and apparently this guy is an absolute genius when it comes to X's and O's. So, wow. okay, I mean, you look at some of the things that a lot of these Div One AA and Div Two coaches are doing down there, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's no surprise that a lot of them see success when they come up. But going back to your point, you know, I, I'm interested to see the recruiting strategy here because. You know, not only is Virginia a very football rich area, but you also have a lot of surrounding areas that have some good prospects coming out. Like you're talking about Maryland, you're talking about the Carolinas. Like these are very, very football and athletic heavy states. So if you can bring in a solid recruiting class, just based on those four regions alone, you're going to be doing pretty well, especially in the ACC, because you see some fluctuation in the ACC. Clemson's starting to go on that downward slope a little bit. They're kind of leveling off after, you know, running the show for the last, you know, seven, eight years. Florida State, you know, they've had a lot better days, you know, behind them. (laughs) So who knows if they're going to be back anytime soon. Miami just made a big splash, obviously bringing in one of their own and Mario Cristobal and uh, hopefully returning some, some recruiting glory back to them. But again, Mm -hmm. you look at the other schools like North Carolina, you know, they're not really a household name when it comes to powerhouses. You're looking no. at, you know, Syracuse. Syracuse was good, you know, a couple of years ago, but they've kind of fallen on some hard times. Pitt, mm-hmm. obviously, they had a Heisman candidate back there at quarterback this year. Pretty yeah. hard to, to beat a team like that. But, you know, not exactly, a you know, a, tra- tra- yeah. a traditional powerhouse each and every year. And then you're looking no. at some of these schools that are popping up, like Wake Forest, who, you know, they've built up a nice little program there. Yeah. And they came out of nowhere, man. Yeah. And then you got, you know, like the, the whole hums, like the North Carolina state Wolfpack. Like these, these are some schools that are traditionally going to be in the six and five range. They'll be bowl eligible, but they're not really going to challenge for, for the title. Yeah. 
So, yeah. I mean, the fact that Virginia Tech is going out and doing this and actually, you know, making noise, there hasn't really been a lot other than Miami. There hasn't really been a lot going on in the ACC. This could be an opportunity for them to really bring in some of these big recruits because Absolutely. of this pedigree that's coming in. So, Absolutely. you know, to you, other than, you know, focusing on that local recruiting, what are some of the things that you expect, you know, just from a locker room and culture perspective, you know, going back to our conversation about, you know, setting a Virginia Tech example. Like, yeah, man. What, what's going to need to happen in order for them to get back to playing Virginia Tech football? We're going to get back to that lunch pail mentality, that lunch pail defense, that blue collar defense, blue collar football in general. That's the thing, man. Like, that's the thing about Virginia Tech, and I'm not saying Virginia Tech is the only you know, program that has that blue collar mentality, but every, that is, that is how, that was Virginia Tech's reputation is blue collar. Bobby Bowden years ago, I don't, I don't know the name of his book, but he wrote in a book years ago, Bobby Bowden, the great Florida state coach, God rest his soul. He said, and this was back before Virginia Tech had really hit, hit its upswing. Virginia Tech, he said, was, he said, every, after every Virginia Tech game, every time we played Virginia Tech, and this is when Florida state was in their heyday, you know, your Deion Sanders and all those guys. He said, he says, our training room was full of players after playing the Hokies. <laughs> he said, we may have beat them by 30 points, <laughs> but you knew you were in a, a football game. And that is what we need to get back to being physical. You know what I'm saying? Let's put, let's stop all this. You know, yeah, you can get wide open sometimes because I know that's what it is. But you know what? Let's put that thing back in the phone booth and made the best and made the most physical team come out winning. But that's what we got to get back to. Hard nose, lunch pail defense, grind it out offense. We're going to play good deep. We're going to play solid defense and we're going to run the ball. And that's what we need to get back to because that's Virginia Tech football. That's yeah. what it is. So you hear the passion on this podcast and we'll get this over to Coach Pry. So Coach Pry, if you're listening to this, my man DK can go and shore up your linebackers with a oh, question. So I'll do it for free. Pick a, No, you wouldn't. <laughs> No, you would not. <laughs> Remember, hey. if you're good at something, you never do it for free. <laughs> I just, I'm just so excited to see them getting back to to what to what I know to be Virginia Tech football. Like, yeah, you know, and I, I, I hate to say it, man. Like over the last couple of years, I was never really excited to watch the game. I bought this sports package, and I, I would actually over the last, I did what I, I would be flipping back and forth through college games while the Hokies are playing. That's something you would have never caught me doing. Yeah. Flipping back and forth through where the Hokies are playing. You kidding me? I've been well, flipping back and forth through Raider games for years, <laughs> but never the Hokies. That's a whole nother story. We're going to have to oh, bring you no. on for a couple more episodes to talk about that. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, all right, that's man. A, so that's a tough one. I have one surprise topic I wanted to bring up that I didn't uh -oh. want to you know, tell you about beforehand because I wanted to get right. your honest opinion on this, all right? Okay. And then we'll get you out of here after this. But we did, I didn't ask you last time because we had more things to talk about, but this one I needed to ask you. So you've been a player, a fan, <laughs> an alumni. You know, you've talked to guys. Now some of your old teammates are going back to coach. You've mentioned to me before some great players that have come through Virginia Tech. Yeah. I want you to give me your Mount Rushmore of Virginia Tech football players. Oh. Oh, so Mount Rushmore was a, there's five up there, right? Or four? Four. Four. Wow. Are you serious? Yep. 
All right, you know what? Let's do it. Okay. I'm in no particular order, just faces on the... Yep, just faces on the mountain. Doesn't have to be in any particular order. All right, so Bruce Smith, NFL Hall of Famer. You have to go with Big Bruce. Uh, a pretty course, intimidating, it's a pretty intimidating first pick. So I'm just yeah. going to say. <laughs> we'll go, Bruce, you got to go with Bruce, Big Bruce. Um, let's go with Michael Vick. Absolutely. 100%. I can't, you know, a Nooper News native. Got to go with my boy, Michael Vick. Um, outside of that, for me, I like Cam Chancellor up there. Oh, I love that pick. I like Cam Chancellor. I love you know, that he's kind of like a silent assassin, right? Like, Cam Chancellor, Bam Bam was a monster, man. Like, he wasn't one to, you know, there's not a lot of bravado around him when he was in college, but you, man, you, if you watch him play as a hokey, oh my goodness, man, Cam Chancellor was a problem. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go with another name, and it may not, you may have heard this name before. I'll guarantee you I have. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I'll guarantee you I have. You may, but this name right here, I'm going to give you this name because. Um, his his career at Virginia Tech is pretty much unmatched when it comes to his accomplishments and his stats. His name is one Cornell Brown. Yep. The monster. Yep. Cornell Brown. A lot of people don't know that name, but if you go back and you, you look at your Virginia Tech history, you will see that name Cornell Brown was a beast at Virginia Tech, man. An absolute... Beast. Now, yes, I'm biased. I gave you three defensive players and one offensive player from Newport News. That's just me. That's my Mount Rushmore, Virginia Tech. But, again, it's your opinion, so you're entitled yeah, to that. Opinion. And those are four fantastic picks. But, again, what's Virginia Tech famous for? Defense. Exactly. So, if you didn't pick more than three, you know, more, you know, three or four defenders, yeah. I would have been disappointed in you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I, I thought to go with the, even Tremaine Edmonds, right? Like, Tremaine Edmonds could be, you know, he could be considered, I mean, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is a beast at Virginia Tech and he's yeah. still beasting in the NFL. So, but it's just, it's, it's so hard. Like there's so many great players that come out of there, man. So many great players. And it's just, uh, you know, right now, Hey, listen, watch out for Logan Thomas. I mean, no, he just got injured a couple of uh, last yeah. game, but watch out for him as a tight end, man. If we can get him healthy. Like he's a he's a pretty good athlete. He's a he's a very good athlete. So yeah, man. the one guy who he, this guy was he was my favorite player coming out of the draft as an offensive lineman this year. Okay, Christian Darisaw. Yes, underrated. Well, he had his way, but he was he should have gone a lot higher, man. Oh my god, yeah. So oh. I was so upset when yes. he fell, and he fell, he fell, and Pittsburgh was right there to take him. Oh, and then Minnesota traded ahead of them and, and, and snatched them up. But I uh, thought, I thought like the week it headed into the draft because his name really started, he picked up a lot of steam like right at the end there. Yeah, I'm like, man, because I, I, you know, I don't really follow the old lineman that much, but I kept hearing that name and I started doing a little, little research. I'm like, oh my god, this kid is a beast. Yeah, he's an he's a monster. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, if the Raiders wanted to pick Leatherwood, why would you pick Leather? Why would just because he went to Alabama? But you're mad. If you want to know Lyman, boom. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people are getting down on, on, on Leatherwood. The one thing I'll say about him. Oh, he can't stay on sides. He gets, how many penalties is he getting per game, man? You know why? Either he's off sides or he's holding somebody. <laughs> he's the most lovable offensive lineman in the NFL because he hugs everybody. Yeah. You know, 
I, 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 I typically will watch film and I'll say, you know, you can't fix this guy. You can't fix it. The one thing I'll say about Alex Leatherwood is that once he figures out the speed of the pro game, okay. he will be a problem. Because you got to remember, this man was an Outland Trophy winner. Yeah, man. And I you, know. You, you can play wherever you want. Yeah. You win an Outland Trophy against SEC yeah. competition, you're doing yeah. something damn right. And Absolutely. you got to remember, he also played left tackle his entire life. And he's, he's definitely uh, he's struggling a bit, but I mean, I haven't given up on him. No, but again, he's Lord. a rookie. But but here's the problem that I have with these so-called draft nicks and these gurus like a Mike Mayock, who's now in a position where he's drafting. He looks at a prospect and puts him in the same hole as every other prospect. OK, instead yeah. of evaluating the talent in front of him and saying, yes. where could we maximize him? Will he fit at this position? Probably not because he hasn't played it. Really, the only lineman I've, I've seen make a smooth transition from one side to the other, going from college to the pros, was Tyron Smith. He's okay. the only one. And he's okay, the yeah. exception because anyone who watches offensive line, enjoy him while he's still in the league. He is yeah. the absolute pinnacle of left tackles in the NFL. Okay. But I think Leatherwood, if you were to move him over to left tackle and move Colton Miller over to right tackle where he played in college, by the way. Okay. I didn't know that. You oh. would have such an easier time generating a solid running attack with that offensive line because Leatherwood would be more comfortable and yeah. Miller can play both sides. So yeah. move him over to where he's more comfortable and yeah, you'll man. see him flourish. So well, maybe, maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll figure that out, you know, in the off season there, Kyle. When they get a new right now, the, the, kid looked like, the kid looked like he's struggling to adjust there a bit, and yeah. that's going to happen. But I mean, like the penalties, man, good grief, kid. <laughs> it, it's, it, but, but you know, DK, you, you have to admit this too. So, you've played multiple positions, right? You made a transition yeah. from receiver over to defense, you've played multiple yep. positions on the defense. Yep. Was it easy for you to do the first time in the first season that you moved to a new position? Nope, no way, exactly. Was not. And this no, guy's being not. asked to do it at the professional level, the most pinnacle level of football. No, I see what you're saying, especially when they come in as a rookie, man. If he's a left tackle and you drafted him as a left tackle, you saw you got film on him as a left tackle. He impressed you as a left tackle. So only the Raiders, though, will flip him, give, draft him and flip him over the right tackle and think, oh, no problem. Tackle's a tackle. Well, yeah. it's not. No. It's not. It's a different field. Yeah. It's a totally different field. You know, I, I can say, so I made the transition. The first time I ever played offensive line was in university. Okay. I played defensive end and tight end. You know, I played okay. quarterback, played running back, I played everything else besides offensive line. Right, I got right. to university, and I got shifted over to that side. Mm -hmm. And in university, as you know, in, in Canada, sometimes you got to swing on the left and the right side. You can't just because yeah. you play field and boundary, right? Right, right. So learning how to kick step from the left side and the right side, completely different. Learning yeah, how to get off the ball in a right-handed yeah. stance versus a left-handed stance is completely yeah, different. You know, yeah. you have to get your muscles to a point where you're comfortable in both settings because it's different. Muscle memory, yeah. Muscle memory, that's it. Yeah, man. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if you remember this, but this is going way back when, you know, we were coaching Deontay and all of his little buddies. And when I was mm -hmm. coaching the offensive line, that's the first thing that I was teaching them how to do was mm -hmm. getting their muscle memory set up so that way they were comfortable 
in a yeah. three-point stance because that's the biggest thing that people just take for granted. Being in a three-point stance sucks. It's not natural. It's not comfortable. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not, man. That is not natural. It's not a natural position for the body to be in. Yeah, and you know, and I gotta say, like, it took me a while to actually get a feel for you know one side and the other. So you know, when I look at a guy like that, I say a good offensive line coach will spend a good off season with him. They'll understand that you know what he's out of position where he is. Let's move him back to where he's comfortable. Have a conversation with Colt Miller. Like, look, you're getting paid as a left tackle, but we want yeah. you to go play the right side. Yeah, man. And I'll guarantee yeah. you one, Derek Carr is going to be all for that because he knows just as well as anybody that yeah. if you have two solid starting tackles, you've already won half the battle on the offensive line. You better believe it. And then you once you get an it. actual group in there that's capable of coming out and establishing a run game, especially mm-hmm. in that, you know, monster division in the AFC West, then you're going to be better off. So anyways, we, we got a little bit off topic talking about yeah. that, but there's hope for Alex Leatherwood, my man. Don't worry about that. You know what? Hey, I, I, I'm a Raiders fan until I die. Never turn my back on my team. But he's got to stop getting these penalties, man. He got to figure that out. He is. He's a drive killer. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of guys like that in the rookie seasons, man. Remember, the great Peyton Manning threw 32 interceptions his first year in the NFL. That's true. That's true. That is true. But once you like um, you said about like you said about Deontay, once that light comes on, yes, it's on. Yeah, and I and I, I believe that about Leatherwood too. Yeah, but it's just that you know I get so caught up into what I'm watching right now. I'm like, this stinks, man. Well, that's this really stinks. That's typical defensive bias coming out of you, though. It is. I know. I'm just doing How hard is it to just keep your hands inside and don't hold people? Well, it's pretty hard when the guy that you got to block is like 6'5", 250, running a 4'6", or 4'5". Now, they don't, they, you know, they, those are like little linebackers coming off the edge now. Well, like you think about it, every week the guy's going against Von Miller when he was with the Broncos, yeah, going against, you know, uh, Chris Jones with the Chiefs, like, He's not yeah. going against some easy, you know, some easy guys here. He's going against yeah. a pretty formidable group, but he's going again, against some guys with some game. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, Absolutely. you you try blocking Joey Bosa every yeah. play for an entire game. Yeah, man. It's it's not fun, but that's why you were drafted in the first that's round. Right. That's why you were the number one pick overall, because yeah. we believe you can do it. That's right. We believe that you're going to be able to do it. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Get your shit together, Leatherwood. <laughs> get it get it together buddy <laughs> all right man yeah. so we covered we covered a lot tonight you know we talked about all the great things happening in your life right now with family yeah. talking about all the great things happening in your life with your football family and yeah. you know got a little uh got a little conversation going on your mount rushmore of virginia tech so DK, yeah that was man. a good question man that's that'd be th- you know what i think i'm gonna i'm in a little chat group maybe i'll throw that out to the chat group and see if uh See how off I was. I mean, that, I got mine. That's mine. <laughs> well, I know two of them that'll probably be pretty universal on that group. I think yeah. Bruce Smith and you know his off-field concerns aside, Michael Vick will be will be part oh, of that as well. Absolutely, yeah. But those uh, are, those are the two that kind of stand out in everybody's mind. But you know, they they were awesome players, man. Yeah, phenomenal exactly. players. Yeah, but. So. Speaking of awesome players, congratulations again to Deontay. Congratulations Thanks, again to you uh, for Thanks, everything that, that's appreciate been happening you. with you, man. Like I said, good appreciate things happen you. to good people. And yeah, uh, you, again, man, this is not going to be the last time we get you on because I know I that we always enjoy having these conversations, whether it's recorded Absolutely. or not. So, yeah, man. 
Always good chopping it up with you, man. It's always good conversation, man. Good football, man. Good dude. I love talking to you, brother. Yeah. Well, love talking. We got to do this more often. Absolutely. Well, again, you know, we uh, we definitely, you know, we we know where to find each other. So we'll yeah, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to reach out. But yeah, when yeah, you're man. talking to uh, talking to Deontay, tell him to uh, give me a call because we'll uh, we'll get him on to celebrate his his accomplishments properly. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. I'll, uh, what's today? What is today, Kyle? Today's Monday. Today's Monday. Ooh, probably I'll talk to him maybe tomorrow, Wednesday. All right. And uh, I'll say, man, you know, don't forget to hit Coach Kyle up. I know he's been in this whirlwind, but I saw something on, on the news the other day. I guess they had a little outbreak of the COVID down there. Oh, at yeah. Western. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of getting out of control. Well, so. you know, again, we're on his schedule. You know, obviously he's uh, he's still coming down off of those, uh, off of those down, big life moments there. So we'll give yeah. him some time to relish <laughs> that and, and cherish those things because they don't happen too often. But yeah. DK, man, again. It's all still settling in. Yeah. All right, man. Well, love you, brother. And uh, you we'll, too, we'll definitely do this again. And uh, can't, can't wait to see what's next for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Yeah, man. We'll keep you posted. Keep your eyes open because we're going to be back, baby. We're going to be back. Watch it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Oh, your boys, the Wolverines. I can't get let you get away without. Come on, man. Big All right. Blue. So the last thing that we'll mention before we sign off, <laughs> my beloved. Hey, you're giving me Wolverines. some love. You're giving my boys some. I got your your Wolverines are back, man. And they, they are. You know they what? are they back. Did it nice and quiet too, didn't they? Nice and quiet, exactly. They, they just handled their business. That's it, man. You know, you like ass kicking football. The Michigan Wolverines yeah. were the quintessential yeah. ass kicking football this year so yeah, man. offensive line was dominant defensive line was dominant aiden hutchinson's the best player in college football right now yeah, you know yeah, it's man. uh it's good to be a wolverines fan which is not a sitting not a statement that we've been able to say since uh, charles woodson donned the jersey <laughs> yeah man but i tell you what man like hey hey watch them in this playoff i'm telling you matchups football's all about matchups man <laughs> Anybody who can get 15 quarterback pressures on his own is going to be a problem for any team. And I think Michigan can run the football against anybody. So as long as McNamara keeps that ball in our hands, I think we got a good shot. So let's, uh, let's see where this goes. I'm, I'm super excited, man. I'm super excited. now. If they're, they're in the Cotton Bowl. Are they the Cotton? No, they're not the Cotton Bowl. They're, no, they're, the, uh, they're uh, the Orange Bowl, I think, against I think Georgia. They're the Orange Bowl. Yeah, I think they're the Orange Bowl. Yeah, that's going to be a hell of a game, though. That Georgia Michigan game, I'm telling you. That's, that's a good matchup, man. Yeah. That's a good matchup. Yeah. That's a good matchup. Especially now, I don't know what Georgia is right now. Is Georgia the team that's been playing all year? Or is Georgia that team we saw against Alabama? But I don't know. Because if that team that played against Alabama shows up against Michigan, they're going home. That's right. That was a soul stealing defeat. Wow. By, by Alabama. Alabama beat the brakes off Georgia last uh, last time they saw each other. Yeah, beat them like they stole something, man. Yeah. But again, you know, we're we're definitely going to be uh, going to be in a good position, and really, really hoping that the underdog Cincinnati Bearcats can shock the world and and beat the Crimson Tide. I'm not holding my breath, but <laughs> let's just say I'm hoping for that. I want to I want to see that happen for I, I guess I call them mid majors. They're not a mid. They call they call a. They're not a top. What kind of five are they called? They're not a. They're not a. No, it's group the of uh, group group a of group five. Of five. And you know what? Because a couple of years ago, it was in um, Central Florida that had a good team. Yeah. And uh, and they didn't get their flowers. So Cincinnati's getting their flowers. They're getting their opportunity. So, you know what? At least go out and make a good show. Yeah. 
anyways man we look forward to that and i'm sure we'll be you know we we should try to watch that game together because you know it's uh hey what's hey you know what let's hey stay in touch because if i'm off we're on let's do it it. depends on the yeah yeah let's let's check the schedule absolutely man for sure all right I definitely want to watch that Michigan game. Yes, but that's what I'm yeah. saying. Let's let's get together, yeah. watch the Michigan game, and we'll uh, we'll pick apart what we think, and uh, hopefully exactly. we can we can enjoy that instead of uh, me going it. home with my tail between my legs. Nah, man, <laughs> I tell you, they're gonna surprise me. You watch. Yeah, I got well, I'm confident. I'm confident. All right, man. Well, again. Okay, brother. Be good, man. You I'll too, talk brother. to you.